Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called Alfred Hitchcock's Kiwi Holiday. It's by Stuff senior reporter Charlie Gates, who joins me now. Hi, Charlie. Hello, Michael. So the the clue is in the title. Alfred Hitchcock literally came to New Zealand on holiday. Uh, So elaborate for us. What happened on this holiday? So, um, yeah, basically, like you said, Hitchcock came on holiday to New Zealand in 1967. He did a whole tour, like 12 days in New Zealand from Auckland through Rotorua, through Wellington, through Christchurch, down to Mount Cook, did the whole shebang. How did you come across this? Like, I mean, it was obviously a a media sensation at the time. It's Alfred Hitchcock in the 60s. He's about as famous as he was ever going to be. How did you stumble across it? Because it's not something that's, you know, in the news. I'd I'd never heard of this. I didn't know. I'm a fan of Hitchcock and movies in general, I guess. And um, I never knew that he'd come to New Zealand. And basically, like, sometimes in my journalism, I try and look at how, like, a global kind of pop culture phenomenon kind of fits in with the Kiwi story. And so there's things, I've done things on UFOs, you know, how that mythology kind of transposed into New Zealand, things about the the Beatles being given their tikis when they came here in like 62. And so basically I googled Alfred Hitchcock New Zealand and there was pretty much a couple of results, one of which was a photograph in the National Library and the caption just read, Alfred Hitchcock in Wellington during his holiday in New Zealand. And I just thought, his what? Where? <laughs> it was Obviously, really surprising. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then that led to a whole of research, looking up loads of old clippings because he was extensively covered by the media when he was here. It was a bit of a circus. And in one of those clippings, Alma Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock's wife who came with him on the holiday, mentioned that they were popping in to see an old friend in Wellington. And it just said, a Mrs. S. Hutchison. And that's all I had to go on. And through um, our amazing librarians, we were able to find a relative of Mrs. S. Hutchison that um, the Hitchcocks went to see. And then I, I contacted that relative and asked them, you know, this call out the blue saying, was your grandmother friends with Alfred Hitchcock? <laughs> and she said, yes, yes, he was. I, I've got um, a whole series of letters that were written between all three of them, between Alfred and Alma and her grandmother uh, from, you know, over quite a period from the 20s through to the 60s with postcards and everything, just these original letters that were perfectly preserved, handed down through three generations. It was just quite a surprise to, to ring her up and she had the stuff, you know, it was amazing. So the story is Alfred Hitchcock's Kiwi Holiday, but as we'll hear, it's actually the story, more so even, of this woman, Sadie, who was friends with Hitchcock and ended up in New Zealand, yeah? Yeah, it is, which surprised me because I thought it would be a story about the hullabaloo around Hitchcock arriving in New Zealand. Alfred Hitchcock's travelogue or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it actually becomes this story about this woman who lived in England, loved working in the film business in 1920s London. It must have been impossibly glamorous. Um, But because of family commitments, she had to move to New Zealand and look after her ill mother and had to turn down various offers from the Hitchcocks to work with them on movies at the beginning of their career. She had to turn that down to move to 1920s Wellington and look after her mother. And so it's a story about what she gave up and the friendship she kept with the Hitchcocks over those years. All right, let's hear it then. Thanks, Charlie. Here is Charlie reading his story, Alfred Hitchcock's Kiwi Holiday. 
When Alfred Hitchcock visited New Zealand in 1967, a media circus followed. The film director was greeted at airports by television news crews. Journalists turned up unannounced at his hotel for interviews. And people called him in the middle of the night to pitch movie ideas. It was all part of being the celebrity version of Hitchcock, the amiable, smartly dressed and very English film director who hosted a weekly primetime television show and was coming to the end of a career that had redefined mainstream cinema. But Hitchcock wasn't in New Zealand to court media attention. He was here to visit an old friend. He first met Sarah Hughes, or Huey as he called her, in the 1920s, when they both started working for a film studio in London. Hughes, who everyone called Sadie, was a telephone operator, and Hitchcock designed title cards for silent movies. She was 27, and he was 21. They became fast friends, Hitchcock even invited her to work on his films when he became a director five years after they first met. It was an offer that she couldn't accept. Instead, in 1924, she moved to New Zealand. They kept in touch through a long exchange of letters, preserved to this day. But they didn't see each other again until October the 4th, 1967, when Hitchcock called at a little wooden villa at 14 Bentick Avenue, Wellington and knocked on the door. There is a black and white photograph of Hughes in the 1920s working at famous Players Lasky Film Studio in London. She is sitting in front of a switchboard, a headset over her curly dark hair. The horn of an old-fashioned telephone is strapped to her chest and pointing towards her mouth. Hughes loved working at the studio, she started there in 1920 as a telephone operator and later became the manager's private secretary. She was born in London in 1893 and before the studio worked as a hotel receptionist and a secretary in the civil service. In later years, her eyes sparkled when she talked of her studio days, of standing in for an actress who had stormed off the set in a tantrum and being filmed from behind so the audience would never know. Hitchcock started at the studio in 1921. Hughes thought he was funny and clever, a hard worker who was easier company than some of the tightly wound actors. Film editor and scriptwriter Alma Revel joined the studio in 1923. Over the next couple of years, she would become Hitchcock's steadfast creative collaborator, and then his wife. The three of them quickly became friends. Hitchcock climbed the ranks of the studio in 1924, he was appointed as assistant director on a film called The Blackguard, filming in Berlin. Alma was heading to Germany with Hitchcock for the shoot as a scriptwriter and assistant. They asked Hughes to come along and help. It was a life-changing opportunity for Hughes. She loved London and found working in show business a genuine thrill. But her mother was unwell, and family members were pressuring her to take on caring duties. Her mother also disapproved of her heading to Germany. Meanwhile, her older brother Jack had recently moved to New Zealand and was calling on his younger sister to join him and bring their mother. And so, instead of working with the man who had soon become the biggest film director of the 20th century, Hughes respected her family's wishes. While the Hitchcocks were filming in Germany, she and her mother sailed for New Zealand in November 1924. 
But the parting started a lifelong correspondence between the three friends. The handwritten letters and postcards to Hughes from the Hitchcocks spanned nearly half a century. Postcards started arriving from Alfred even before Hughes left for New Zealand. They were cryptic, playful and perhaps a little bit flirty. The first one arrived from Berlin on October 7th, 1924. It features a black and white photograph of a historical bridge in Berlin with a pair of pointy turrets in the background. On the back, in large, florid handwriting, is written, Sadie dear, is that you? Regards, Hitchy. Another note from the Carlton Hotel in Interlaken, Switzerland, was sent around the time Alfred and Alma became engaged. It has a drawing of two love hearts impaled on an arrow. The caption reads, Dear Sadie, two hearts on a skewer. Hitch. Alma's letters were more chatty. On October the 8th, 1924, a few weeks before Hughes left for New Zealand, Alma wrote on headed letter paper from the Berlin Film Studio, detailing an evening at a cabaret night. Actor Frank Stanmore really had a fit when girls came on with very little on. He was a scream. How are you getting along? And when are you going to New Zealand? I'm afraid that if you do go in November, I shan't see you again. Do write me a long letter and tell me all the news. I just eat letters here. They're like a breath of England. How dramatic. That's a result of helping Hitchy write more scenes in the script, I suppose. Hitchy also sends love. Alma kept it up after Hughes moved to New Zealand. I have so often wondered how you are getting along, and if you miss us in the film business, or if you're married, she wrote in September 1925. Are you ever coming back to England again? I wish you would write me and tell me what is happening to you. And does your mother like NZ? I hope her health is better there. How I wish you were in England now. I'm now elevated to the rank of assistant director, so now would be your chance of being continuity writer. Why not come back? Once again, it was an offer that Hughes couldn't accept. The family of a Melton teenager who died six years ago are, for the first time, appealing for further information about the girl's death. If I could go back now knowing what I know now, they'd be dead. Yeah, I'd be in jail. I'm Ryan Wolf, and in season four of my investigative true crime podcast, Guilt, I travelled to Melbourne, Australia, to investigate the mysterious death of 16-year-old Alana Cecil and uncover a shocking case of sex, exploitation, drugs and possibly murder. You'll find guilt on all good podcast platforms. And she got stolen away from me. And those culprits who did it, I want to catch them. I want to get them. And they know who they are. And I'm, I won't, I won't give, I ever give up. Hi, Michael Wright here. If you're enjoying The Long Read, I think you might like my new true crime podcast from Stuff. Hosted by me, Michael Wright, and Shannon Redstall, it's called The Lost Boy. The Disappearance of Mike Zhao Beckenridge. By 1929, Alfred Hitchcock had directed nine silent movies in four years, was being hailed as the boy wonder of British film, and was earning the contemporary equivalent of 1.3 million New Zealand dollars a year. Alma and Alfred married in December 1926 and had a daughter, Patricia, the next year. Hughes wrote to congratulate them, and Alma replied. 
It was awfully nice of you to congratulate Hitchy on his success, she wrote. He has worked very, very hard and really does deserve it. And it's just the same as ever. Oh, sometimes, Huey, it seems too good to be true, for we're so happy and we have everything we could wish for. All I can say is that I hope sincerely that you are as happy. She again writes about the career opportunities Hughes might find in the film industry if she returned to England. You'd have heaps of chances now. I gave up the work, of course, when we were married, but I'm now doing scenarios, which is very convenient, as I can work at home, and it's very useful pocket money. Hughes had by now married Bertram Hutchison, or Bert, a clerk at the Harbour Board in Wellington. They built a house in the suburb of Strathmore Park soon after they got married. We are quite old married folk now, aren't we? Alma wrote. Then they lost touch. Hughes was busy raising two children and looking after a sick mother, who lived to the age of 103, while Alfred Hitchcock was redefining modern cinema, moving to America to direct a string of classic Hollywood movies and building a media empire. Soon after her mother's death in 1961, Hughes went on holiday to London with Bert. While there, they somehow managed to reach Hitchcock on the telephone, a seemingly impossible feat, especially considering the director would almost certainly have been in Hollywood. Perhaps her name, a nostalgic pang from Hitchcock's youth, got her past the receptionist and brought him to the phone. He recognised her voice immediately, even though he hadn't heard it for 38 years. They didn't meet, but the call reignited their friendship. In April 1967, Alma resumed correspondence. You never know, we might visit New Zealand one day, she wrote. We've been around the world twice, but never touched New Zealand. And if we had, we probably wouldn't have known where to find you. Now we do. Six months later, on October 2nd, 1967, Alfred and Alma touched down at Auckland Airport. Television news cameras and reporters were there to greet them. Hitchcock, as always, relished the attention. He loved courting publicity, even while on holiday, and New Zealand was no different. Everywhere he went, he granted interviews. In Rotorua, he confessed a macabre urge to throw a baby into the mud pools. They were fascinating mud pools, he told reporters impishly. What a lovely dirty brown. In Palmerston North, he inquired about whether there was a Palmerston South. In Wellington, he spoke about his idea for a spy thriller set in New Zealand. Since you would have to use sheep, you could have one marked with a secret message, he said. Then you could have the spy running about searching for the secret sheep with the secret message, and the secret sheep could disappear among the millions of other sheep. Alma, meanwhile, was asked in an interview about the domestic arrangements in her Bel Air home. She said it was fitted with the kitchen to end all kitchens. It's a privilege when we entertain you in our kitchen, she said. We did so with Princess Grace and her husband just a few weeks before coming out here. They are great friends of ours. By this time, Hitchcock was in his 60s and in a creative funk. After a run of classics, including Rebecca, Rear Window, Vertigo, North by Northwest and Psycho, his two latest films were considered critical failures. There was a sense that he was reaching back through the years, reconnecting with old friends and collaborators for inspiration after the recent death of some key creative partners. Hughes was one of those old friends. 
after 43 years apart, the Hitchcocks called on her and Bert at the Little Wooden Villa at 14 Bentick Avenue on October the 4th, 1967. Alma and Alfred took the Hutchesons out for dinner both nights they spent in Wellington. Bert and Sadie gave them a souvenir clock. Alma wrote them a letter a week after they left New Zealand. Just a few hurried lines to say thank you so much for the most unusual clock. It certainly will remind me of our visit to New Zealand and seeing you. I'm sorry it was all such a rush at the end. They exchanged a few more letters and in 1969, Alma asked them over to California. I certainly do hope we may come to New Zealand again, but why don't you take a trip over here? Was I dreaming it? Or did you say you might? The trip never came to pass. Alfred Hitchcock died in 1980. Alma followed in 1982. Hughes kept the letters and postcards until her death in 1985. They were handed down to her daughter and then her granddaughter. Despite some of them being nearly a hundred years old, they're perfectly preserved. Among the letters, is a brown envelope that Hughes filled with dozens of newspaper clippings that mentioned her old friend. It was her way of following Hitchcock's career from afar and perhaps wondering what might have been. Her granddaughter, who doesn't want to be named to avoid being approached by memorabilia dealers, said her grandmother talked fondly of her time in London working in the movie industry. I feel she went on to have a very quiet life, she said. It would have been quite a contrast from the life she had in London. She'd have been happier staying in London. She loved London. She always just looked after somebody. She looked after her mother for so long. Hitchcock's final note to Hughes came in 1970. Gone with the thick italics and the flirty jokes of his 1920s postcards. Instead, it featured a simple photograph of Alma standing above a seated Hitchcock and carefully lighting the upheld cigar in his mouth. On the reverse, Hitchcock had drawn his famous cartoon profile, seen on his television shows and the countless books sold under his brand. Above the cartoon, he wrote one last message to his dear friend. Our very best wishes. That was Alfred Hitchcock's Kiwi Holiday on The Long Read from Stuff, written and read by Charlie Gates and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was edited by Connor Scott. If you're listening via the Stuff website, you can hear this story and many more like it on The Long Read podcast, available on all the usual podcast apps. You can also now drop us a line on email at thelongread@stuff.co.nz. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support.